Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. This is CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast, Monday, August 5th. How exciting. Football is here. We're in the middle of football season. Um, that means you're getting ready for fantasy football drafts, which means you need to be smarter and win your league. And the best way to do that is by listening to Fantasy Football Today. Our friends Jamie Eisenberg, Dave Richard, and Heath Cummins are crushing it on the fantasy version of this podcast. It's like a, it's like in Seinfeld when there's the uh, Bizarro World situation. They are the Bizarro Super Friends. Um, who would Sean? Who would Sean Wagner be if he were a uh, fantasy guy? Which fantasy guy would you be, Sean? You mean out of our fantasy? What do you mean? What no, fantasy guy would I be? Well, have you seen Seinfeld? I assume you've seen Seinfeld, right? Yeah, not through like every like episode or season though. But you also know I'm partial to Friends. So. I, I do know that. Um, but in Seinfeld, there's a bizarre world. Like there's a like an alternate version of Jerry. Um, who would? See, uh, I don't. I don't I actually don't know if I know this. Okay. Well, but like, who would be the bizarro? Who would be, is there, is there a, uh, is there one of the fantasy guys? You know, this is a terrible question, isn't it? Uh, we'll yeah. talk about something. Well, just- Why don't we talk about my trip to the mountains in North Carolina where I went hiking? We'll also talk about the Hall of Fame and we're going to rank, we're going to do hot seat coach rankings. Oh, but reminder, subscribe to fantasy football today. That's sort of where this was going uh, before I tangented it off in the first 30 seconds of this podcast. Uh, so I went hiking over the weekend, Sean, and not only did I hike more than five miles, which is by itself is fairly impressive. Uh, but I almost got bitten by a rattlesnake, which is not impressive, but very scary. My buddies, Carr and Will, were, another Will, were up walking in front of me. They somehow didn't see it. And I come around this curb and I hear it and there's a rattle and it was like a two and a half feet away. I almost stepped on it. And, uh, and then we had to go back by the snake coming back the other way. And we, it was, it was, I mean, it was like this rattle was like six inches high. Um, you don't seem that surprised by this snake, like a snake appearing. No. Well, I don't think I've ever seen a rattlesnake. And I was going to ask you, if it bites you, are you, what's, what's the situation? Are you potentially are you dying? Yes. Are they going to have to like suck the venom out like they do in the movies? And cause that would, if I was with you, I feel like that would be my only move. I don't know what um, else to do. Yeah. I, uh, Oh, rattlesnake bites can be dangerous, but are very rarely fatal to humans. With proper medical treatment, including anti-venom, bites are usually not serious. They do have venom, though. So, I mean, like, there, there would, there would be a, it would be a venom situation. Two miles in on a, on a hike is a bad time to get bitten by a rattlesnake. But um, I also feel like that's probably, like, the most common time people get bit by a rattlesnake. That's probably, that's probably accurate. Yeah, I mean, I think I would have survived. It would have been, uh, it would have been dicey. Um, it probably would have been a better story, and honestly, in a better tangent on the pod, if you had gotten bitten. A hundred percent. If I was like, "Hey, by the way, I got bit by a rattlesnake." The other thing that happened, though, on this uh, on this hike, is even more impressive than me seeing a snake, which you don't seem to give one crap about. Um, we, me and my three friends, are hiking, and we stop in at this uh, at this little um, like uh, swimming pool area on you know on the river on the creek, on the river creek, whatever it is, and uh, there's a bachelorette party there. What is with you going to places with bachelorette parties? I don't know. I feel like you're planning these or one of your <laughs> friends are planning these and you're passing it off as coincidences when really you're just stalking <laughs> bachelorette parties. Whoa, whoa, let's not throw it stalking. Um, and, uh, and, um, and, uh, and so we, we see this bachelorette party and we say hey to him and then we, we go on down our way. We pass a snake and we come back by. And then when we hike out, when we get to the top of the hike, we come out of the woods and the bachelorette party is in the parking lot and we're like, 
what did these girls do? They were like they were like two miles ahead of us. Why would they? Why would they still be here? They had a flat tire in the oh. parking lot. And you know what? Guess who changed it? Not you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> the host of the Pick Six podcast changed a bachelorette's flat tire. And in fact, they had uh, they had somehow these these girls were pretty handy because they had gotten the car up on a jack. And, uh, but they hadn't put the parking brake on and they took, like, they had the, t- the flat tire off and it rolled forward on them and fell down. And they, like, <laughs> like, they, somebody could have lost it unless lost an arm. Uh, but Did it the- feel weird to be useful for, like, the first time yes. in recent years, at least? Absolutely. Um, you probably felt really good too, right? Like, are you kidding me? Felt like women a, doing that. Felt like a boss. Are you kidding me? This I'm not going to lie. I think if my car got a flat t- tire, I would not know how to change it. I definitely just call whoever Mazda would send. And just whoever Mazda would send. Who would, who would send? It's in my, it's in like my car booklet. I had it happen once and they came out in like 45 minutes. Yeah, that's good for I you. wasn't going to mess around with it. I, I have, have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not handy. I have AAA. So I would, I would call them as well. I had a flat tire on the, on the highway, uh, last year and I just called AAA and they just come and swap out your tire for you. It was raining. It's a whole thing. Yeah. And like it was, was a thunderstorm breaking down in this parking lot, but change, change the tire anyway, man. Pretty good about myself. So let's dive into some NFL news. I don't feel as good as Tom Brady does. Tom Brady signed a new contract extension on Sunday or agreed to the terms, I guess, is a, is a more accurate way to put that. Is that right, Sean? That's going to pay him $23 million in 2019. Uh, this is huge because, as you know, Sean, Tom Brady desperately needs the money. <laughs> right. Well, I think the bigger news is it's, it's not necessarily news, but it's just a reminder that. This guy, Tom Brady, is the biggest bargain probably in professional sports history. Not only do you get him in the sixth round, um, but he is also always taking deals that are below his market value. If he was a free agent, he would be one of the highest paid quarterbacks, or maybe the highest paid quarterback per year just on a short-term deal. And he's consistently taking less money, which allows the Patriots to free up cap space, sign other players. He does this over and over again. Um, and, you know, I saw someone say it as a joke, I, I feel like a few months ago, um, but you look at the Patriots' dynasty, and you can't really overlook the importance of Tom Brady's wife, I feel like, and how much it actually matters. The fact that he's taking so much less money probably has something to do with his wife being you know, the highest-paid supermodel in the world. Uh, so once again, the Patriots luck out. Uh, I don't think you can undersell how much Brady's willingness to take less money has contributed to their dynasty. A hundred percent. I mean, like— the fact that he takes less allows him to be way more creative with the cap. But I mean, yeah, it's no, right. it's no and, doubt. And, and, I, and as a lot of people have noted, like Jason Lock and Four on Twitter, this is the kind of deal where just because he signs for two additional seasons, that doesn't mean he's guaranteed to spend those remaining years in the NFL. There's opts out for both sides. Um, seems like it's a lot of it uh, was getting him a little bit more money, but also creating a lot more cap space, which now I think that's the interesting thing. What are they going to do? I think I saw maybe seven and a half million. What do they do with that? Do they go out and maybe trade for a Trent Williams? I think, I think it was like actually, that? I think it was actually five and a half million. Okay. Is what, is what uh, Mike Reese pointed out of ESPN. So, I mean, do you see them doing something that year, this year, you know, this close to the season with that? Or do you, do they just let it roll over next year and do that next offseason? I, I would think the only reason they would be willing to use that this year, at least right now, is if they wanted to trade for a wide receiver, which I think is what you just said. Uh, and that would not be surprising at all to me. There's been a lot of buzz about my boy, Jacoby Myers, in camp. I pointed that out last week in the podcast. Uh, the uh, obvious reaction to my pointing out Jacoby Myers is, oh, NC State homer. Da, da, da. But all the bu- there's been a ton of buzz about him. Um, of course, you have 
Uh, Demarius Thomas is in there, but he's a maybe if he's going to make the team. Julian Edelman. They just don't have a lot of bodies there. Inkeel they signed, they signed Cam Meredith with the exact same thing as like the Demarius Thomas situation. It's, right. I don't know who's going to have more catches next year, but probably both of them aren't going to play well yeah. or play often. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, so Tom Brady, uh, got some cash. I mean, it, it was, it was good. It's like, it was inevitable. Like they're not going to not pay Tom Brady. But it was good to go ahead and get it out of the way, get him under contract for additional years. Apparently, uh, 2000, I think the additional, uh, years on that deal are voidable. So it's possible the Patriots come back, uh, after this season and really, I mean, there's probably a year to year, you know, process with Brady anyway at this point. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he even says stuff like that. Like he, he understands, like he, he's not going to demand a, you know, six year, $250 million contract. Yeah, at the age of 42. I mean, it's silly. Right, and especially because his decline is not going to be a a slow and steady decline. His decline is going to be one of those things where I know he hates this phrase and he was going after Max Kellerman for using it, but he's going to fall off the cliff. And the problem is we don't know. Did Brady? Did Brady? Did Brady go after Max Kellerman? Uh, he didn't name him, but Max Kellerman over the years has used that phrase about how Brady's going to fall off a cliff and, um, Brady in an Instagram post earlier this offseason. I can't remember what what he did. I think it was his throwing velocity. He pointed he like took a photo of the radar gun and it was like quoting gonna fall off a cliff or something. Oh. But, but the whole thing is Kellerman's actually completely right. You look at all these franchise quarterbacks, I mean it happened to the Peyton Manning, it's not a slow and steady decline. It's all of a sudden overnight they just don't have it anymore. And the thing is we just don't know with Brady how close he is to the cliff. He might be really far away from it, but at some point he's gonna fall over. Um, just like every other, you know, aging all-time great quarterback. So Kellerman's not wrong. It's just he happened to say it in like 2016. Um, and Brady clearly is still not close to the edge. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, when Brady does fall off the cliff, do you think he's going to drag his daughter <laughs> by the arm? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he wouldn't do that. That was, it was a, that was a cliff jumping, cliff jumping Tom Brady joke. Uh, let's see. Also in the news, Donta Foreman cut by the Texans. Um, uh, Tyler Sullivan wrote for our site, could Melvin Gordon be in their sights? The Texans have been really the team, Sean, that, that has been, uh, heavily targeted when people, you know, have buzz about Melvin Gordon, where he might be traded. I don't think that's happening. I would say it's almost a 0% chance that the, te- I'll say 10% chance that the Texans trade for Melvin Gordon because here's the thing is if you trade for Melvin Gordon, you have to pay Melvin Gordon. And so, like, it's great that you gave up a third-round pick for a running back, except you're going to have to pay him $13 million a year ASAP or, like, $12 million a year if you even want him to come and be on your team. And, like, the Texans already have a guy holding out in Jadavion Clowney. They don't need to trade for somebody who's holding out. It makes no sense. I don't I don't see why anybody thinks some another team is going to trade for Melvin Gordon. Right, and you said, great, you get a running back for a third-round pick. I don't even know if I would want to give up a third-round pick for Melvin Gordon because of the contract. And it's not like... The Texans are, you know, deprived at running back. Lamar, Lamar Miller might not be on the Melvin Gordon tier, but he's been very dependable. And if you look at his averages since he got to Houston and, you know, even before that in the last final two years in Miami, he's been remarkably consistent right around 1200 yards from scrimmage, six or seven touchdowns. That's good enough. And it's, so if you can get a cheap young running back to be his backup, that's all you need. And to your point, um, I believe it was John McLean of the Houston Chronicle reported that they're not looking at Melvin Gordon. What they want is a backup. They want that guy to, you know, to help out Lamar Miller when Lamar Miller needs to get, you know, a rest on the bench. 
So I don't think this is going to happen. I think it'd be fun in theory. Like if this was Madden, I'd be all for it. an offense with um, Hopkins and Watson and all that. But I just don't think in real life football sense, it, does, it doesn't make any sense. I think they have that whole Jadavion Clowney situation. You're going to go out and pay a running back. That makes no sense whatsoever. They also have no GM. <laughs> Who's making this trade? And uh, it did sound when Dante Foreman was cut. Um, what did what did they say? What was the line that was used? It was like, like he's got to get his act together, or like see that that screams like it's a Bill O'Brien cut, yes, right? Yes. But yes. isn't that the entire reason why you have a general manager because who's not as involved in those day to day practice stuff, and they can say, "Hold on a minute, I know you're upset with them. That doesn't yeah. mean we got to go drastically cutting this, you know, former high pick of ours." Not to say, you know, Dante Foreman has done that much to warrant, you know, staying around. Um, but usually with these guys who are drafted in the third round, you know, two years ago, they get a little bit more leeway. And, you know, maybe this is a consequence of the fact that the Texans don't have a general manager and they have a committee of guys. And I would imagine when that committee gets together, if there's a disagreement. I'm going to guess Bill O'Brien has the most power there. Yeah, I saw uh, Rivers McCown, who's um, uh, for, I think he's, is he still with Football Outsiders? Um no, uh, yeah, I guess he's with, uh, I don't know if he's, I don't, anyway, Rivers wrote, he wrote on Twitter, um, he said, I'm not saying Dante Foreman will be good and I'm not saying his return from injury didn't concern me, but some teams have another person in the front office to keep the coach from releasing talented players because he thinks they need to grow up. I think it's called a GM. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yeah, that was the phrase. Um, and it was, uh, from Adam Schefter, Texas, uh, John McClain first reported that, that Foreman was cut. Um, Schefter wrote, Houston feels like Foreman needs a fresh start and needs to grow up. That is rough, man. To tell somebody they need to grow up? What would you yeah. do? What'd you do if CBS fired you and like on the way out were like, Sean needs to grow up? I'd be like, fair. Yeah, fair, fair. Harsh, <laughs> harsh, but fair. Uh, Foreman, by the way, a, uh, a former, uh, third round pick. 89th overall, the 2017 NFL draft played his college game, college career in, um, in, in Texas, you know, only has 85 carries for 326 yards, but it's always been sort of the guy, like the, the fantasy darling that people expect to have a big game or like have a big, like takeover. Yeah. Lamar. Nobody likes we've, Lamar Miller. So it's just, we've been talking about how this is the year that, you know, Lamar Miller fades and you want to get the backup. And I was just going to say the big winner in all of this is Lamar Miller, who, mm-hmm. you know, I was just saying a few minutes ago is so remarkably consistent and in terms of fantasy is a solid, maybe low end running back too. But a guy that if you have, you feel pretty good about what you're going to get over the course of the season. And it feels like he just does not get enough credit. And I feel like that started in Miami um, when the Dolphins also let him go and it's continued in Houston. And I think he's the biggest winner here because if he, if Foreman doesn't get cut, we're still, entering fantasy drafts talking about, well, maybe do you want to get some Foreman stock late? Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. And now suddenly it's Lamar Miller's the guy, unless some guy emerges, which, you know, could happen because it's running backs and they do happen to grow on trees. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Miller, by the way, a fantasy steal right now. He's 71st in ADP. Like he's going after Eric Ebron and Darius guys, according to fantasypros.com. I mean, he's the same ADP as like Miles Sanders and Rashad Penny. This guy's the starting <laughs> running back for the Texans, man. Like I know they don't, right. they don't have a bad offensive line, but I mean, like he was still a good, like he was a great running back two option last year, right? Yeah, I mean, if you look at his stats too, he pretty much had his best or at least most efficient year in Houston: four point six yards per carry, four point eight yards per touch, eleven over eleven hundred yards and six touchdowns. Again, that's a it's not again he's not sexy because he's not going to have that sixteen hundred yard season. But if you want a guy who's going to be dependable on a good offense that is going to have red zone opportunities. 
you know, he's your guy. So it, it's always tough to pick a guy like that because you want the upside. You want the Rashad Penny because you think, oh, he's a high pick. This is his year for a breakout. Whereas you have a guy like Lamar Miller who's been doing this for six seasons in a row now. At some point, you just got to trust him. Uh, he finished in uh, standard scoring, had a hundred and uh, 161 fantasy points. Uh, more importantly, though, like on, on an average, like, because I, I like to look at that average week at CBSSports.com's fantasy leagues. If you don't use CBS Sports for fantasy leagues, what on earth are you doing? Um, he, he was actually, uh, he was like top 20 in terms of average fantasy points per week. I don't know if you saw that. They added, CBS added that to our, uh, to our page. Pretty awesome. So like now you can sort by fantasy, not just yearly fantasy points, but average, which is kind of, kind of. Well, nifty. it's important because you have like the boomer bust, like the, the Ted Ginns or whatever, who will have the 28 point game and then have the two point game. And those players are always the most frustrating, yeah. uh, from a fantasy perspective. It's, you know, it's not the total points. It's how they actually get there that matters. Uh, should we tell John Breach to join us on this podcast? Should we bring John Breach? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll tell him I'll call him in just a minute. Did you, did you hear about our latest, uh, the latest, um, uh, the latest gag, the latest bit that we added to the, the podcast? Did you hear about Uh-oh. this on Friday? I did not hear about it. So it was actually EK's idea, Eric Hare, our boss, uh, his idea. Um, he was like, so I, so I noticed that you titled that, uh, podcast Zeke Watch. He's like, is there any reason why you didn't call your friend Zeke? In the middle of the Zeke watch, uh, I was like, no, that's, that's a great idea. So, uh, Brady Quinn left my pal Zeke a voicemail, uh, on, uh, on, on Friday's, on Friday's episode. It's actually, you don't find this as entertaining as I do, clearly. You have a friend named Zeke? Have we not talked about this? No, see, yeah. this is yeah, why I, I'm, I'm, I don't know who Zeke is. He's like one of my best friends in the whole world. His name's Zeke. He talks like this. He's from Clinton, North Carolina. This isn't the guy I met in San Francisco from the Super Bowl. That was, yeah. that was Drew. So no. Okay. No. Um, uh, at any rate, what, what the hell was I talking about? Um, these Sunday, <laughs> these Sunday shows go off the rails very quickly. Oh yeah. Uh, so also, um, exciting, uh, news out there as well. Antonio Brown dealing with a foot injury on a scale of one to 10. How panicked are you? Uh, how panicked are you about Antonio Brown's foot? With 10 being the most panicked? Yes. Honestly, I would say this entire situation does not worry me at all. I would say a two or three. And clearly, I feel like I'm one of the only people that thinks this way because if you looked at the numbers of our story about John Gruden saying everyone's disappointed by Antonio Brown not being here and the numbers it did, a lot of people seem to be taking an interest in his absence from Raiders camp. Look, my attitude towards this is they got good news reportedly from the foot specialist. He's day-to-day. The month, there's still a month until the season comes around. Yes, he has to learn a new offense, but it's not, Antonio Brown's 31. He's been in the NFL for a long time. He's an incredible route runner. I don't think he has to necessarily be there at the beginning of training camp. And that, if he's, if he's not playing until the third preseason game, that doesn't concern me whatsoever. As long as he's healthy for the regular season, I don't think it needs to be one of those, turns into one of those things where, you know, he's not developing chemistry with Carr. I think it'll be fine. Yeah. I really do. And so as long as the foot is not hobbling him throughout the season, that's the most important thing. He should take as much time as he needs. Like maybe the only thing you can say that's concerning is the quote from Gruden about how everyone's disappointed. And maybe you read into that, you know, with Gruden not being entirely happy with Brown. Um, but in terms of his foot, I'm not that worried if it's day to day. Um, I will say that it is, is notable that Antonio Brown was working out um, this off season uh, catching bricks while, uh, while wearing loafers and, um, and 
to be perfectly honest, somebody posted a picture of like his Instagram foot. It is disgusting. Did you see a picture of it? I did. I retweeted it with he's auditioning for Quentin Tarantino's new movie. But don't spoil that for me. Spoil well, just Tarantino likes 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 feet. He shows feet a lot. I mean, it looks like his feet are like falling apart. It's really really gross. That's one of the things that I think you forget about. Millionaire athletes like sometimes can battle uh can battle some nasty injuries. You know, like there's some downside to being rich and famous and and a superstar with millions and millions of dollars. Yeah, I feel bad that he has bad feet. Yeah. Feel rough for his stinky feet. Uh, but Antonio, yeah, I'm with you. I don't think it's a huge problem. I think Antonio Brown will probably be back, uh, fairly quickly. Okay. Why don't we take a quick break? And then when we come back, John Breach will join us. Exciting. Found out mid podcast. He's going to jump on. He will, uh, break down the Hall of Fame, uh, ceremonies in Canton for us. Cause I know he's our Hall of Fame correspondent. And then we will dive into my personal coaching hot seat rankings. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right excited that uh to get a little mid-pod planning you can tell uh those uh, devotees of this podcast know how organized i am they know there's no way i would text uh sean ryan and john 20 minutes before, uh, before I needed a podcast at, at 5 p.m. on a Sunday after I'd been out of, uh, you know, gone for the weekend and, and asked them to, 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 to a podcast. That would never, ever happen. And certainly John, John wouldn't get the text and then, uh, and they'd be like, Hey, can I jump on, uh, midway through the podcast? There's no way that would happen, right? Well, the funny thing is, Brinson, that, uh, most weekends I have Brinson's phone number blocked so that none of his texts come through, but I was like, you know what? Football season has unofficially started. I'm going to unblock <laughs> Brinson, put out the olive branch, and now here I am on the podcast. So that that decision paid off, I guess, or not, depending on how you view this. Very, very proud of you, Breach, for doing that. You're a, you're a true man of the people. Uh, I will ask you this. 
Um, you were, you were, you were grinded on the Hall of Fame enshrinement, uh, ceremony on Saturday night. Give it a, uh, you, you, you do grades for the NFL season. Give us your grade for the, for A, the, just maybe, I don't want to do individual guys. I would just say is the enshrinement ceremony as a whole. How did it rank up with some of the other ones you've watched in recent years? I'm going to give it a B. All right. Here was Ooh. my biggest. <laughs> that's not horrible. I mean, and it's not a C. It's not, it could have been worse. All right. My biggest gripe is that the thing lasted for five hours. Oh. There were only eight people inducted. They're going to induct 20 people next year. That's going to take 40 hours. I don't know how they're going to do it. They have to split up into six days because going five hours for eight guys, and one of them was Pat Bowen, who obviously passed away. So there's no speech involved with Bowen. So it was really five hours for seven guys. And Johnny Robinson had a pre-taped speech that only went for about 10 minutes. So really, it was four hours and 50 minutes for six guys. I mean, it was just who was like who was the who was the the biggest offender when it came to burning up the clock. Uh, that would be, I have all their times, right? It was <laughs> so Tony Gonzalez, oh boy. who, who gave the longest speech in can ever, almost top TO's time from last year. He went over 39 minutes. The oh record had been held by Jerry Jones. Uh, and so Tony topped that. And like the speech was good, but you could even see it. They kept panning to his wife and his children. And they're like, and like Tony, you, like, the kids were just dying to go to bed. Yeah, they're like, yeah, it's <laughs> time to go to bed. Uh, it's a little late for us because this was at 11.45, 11.50 Eastern time. So, you know, and, and it, he had a couple kids that are under the age of eight. So they're probably just like, oh, my God, I can't even keep my eyes open. So it's like even though the speeches were all good, you just can only listen to so much before your eyes start to glaze over and you can't take anymore. And Gonzalez even made a joke. He went last, gave that 39-minute speech, and he's like, I can see the crowd's kind of thinned out. And it was kind of funny because that's, you know, if you're there and, and your guys already talk, you're done. Uh, but real quick, I would say Ed Reed, the big winner. I liked him the most. His bust looked like it was sculpted by Michelangelo himself. Mm. We need to put that thing, send it to Europe, put it in a nice museum over there. The thing was amazing. Uh, and, and he also gave – the best nuggets of the night. I think Brinson has a clip. He was thanking everybody. It's literally like uh, he he. They thank everybody all the time, but Ed Reed took this to the like next it, level. I do get haircuts, <laughs> so I got to thank my barbers. <laughs> They've been with me for a long time, and they both named Joe. Ain't that something? <laughs> Ed Reed has two barbers named Joe, each named Joe, which is the most delightful fact about Ed Reed ever. I think Ed Reed, I said this on Twitter, I think Ed Reed is football's George Clinton. As in like a, like he's the cool, like, like no matter how old he gets, he's just getting, he just gets cooler and cooler. Like he spent the, it appeared he spent the entire time in Canton with a huge cigar in his hands, walking around, sunglasses on, like funky hats and stuff. Like I, if I were to pick somebody from that crowd that I want to hang with, I mean like number one would be Ed Reed and two would probably be Gil Brandt. I don't. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you could easily rate it by whose post party would you want to show up at? Yeah. Ed Reed is a hundred percent my top pick. If he is having a party after that ceremony, I'm there. Uh, and then probably maybe Ty Law, Tony Gonzalez, uh, but Ed Reed definitely ranking at the top of that list. And I also loved, uh, I put out a story Sunday morning that Ed Reed accidentally thanked Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh. The camera pans over to John Harbaugh and his face is literally like, what the hell just happened? Is this real? Is this what actually happened? Uh, and so Reed was going through thanking people of, the Ravens organization, he thanked the Ravens owner, he thanked Harbaugh, 
And then he goes, I want to thank Coach Bill Belichick, or Coach Belichick and his staff. And he was talking about Brian Billick. Oh, <laughs> no. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? This, this is actually happened. Uh, and it, you knew this was not like a, he, he was definitely trying to say Brian Billick because it was in the middle. He went from the Ravens owner, Steve Bisciotti. He, then he went to Belichick slash Billick and then he went to Harbaugh. So he was thanking people in order. And obviously he played for Billick first. Billick was the coach for, I think, his first five or six seasons in Baltimore. And so if you are going to make a mistake on the podium, that is like the last mistake you want to make uh, if you're a Ravens player. And, you know, the Patriots are kind of that hated team. And so – and Harbaugh's reaction was just amazing. Um, let me see if I can uh, bring that up real quick. Here we go. Like Baltimore! like Baltimore, baby. Mm, those Ravens fans showed up. I'd like up. to thank that organization, Steve Bashotti, Ozzie Newsom, Coach Belichick, his staff, Coach Harbs, his staff. There's too many people to mention. I know I'm going to miss some people, man, but I love all y'all guys, man. Thank you for your support over the <laughs> years. Even now. Wait, so did he not catch it? Yo, no, he, yeah, he, he just never acknowledged, he never acknowledged he said Coach Belichick? Cause they, they, they showed, and listeners couldn't see it, but they showed Jim Harbaugh, Jim, Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, and he was like, what the bleep? Like, <laughs> and like, Bashadi, or, I mean, yeah, Bashadi was like, he was like, Be- Belichick. He's like, he didn't, he's like, Ed doesn't know who his, his coach was. And that's what you were waiting. You were like, all right, you know, 10 seconds from now, he's going to realize what happened. He's going to say, oh, excuse me, I met Coach Belichick. That never happened. So Billick just hanging out in the wind there, man. He didn't even get a shout out for uh, coaching a Hall of Famer, but Bill Belichick did. And Belichick got three shout outs. Uh, he got one from Ty Law, obviously, and then Gil Brandt. Nope. Yes, again. Uh, uh, who would have thanked Belichick? The only offensive lineman who got inducted. Uh, oh, you guys are in trouble. Kevin Y. Oh, Kevin Y. Got inducted. Yeah, I, I literally read that like five minutes ago in your recap on CBSSports.com. Um, By the way, maybe Ed Reed, maybe it wasn't an accident. And maybe because he wants a job on the Patriots coaching staff, he was just, you know, he made it seem like an accident. But really, he was like, hey, Bill, I'm already thanking you. Give me the job. I mean, And then just- when they interview like next week, Bill checks and be like, I love the shout out, man. You're hired. Um, also of note, uh, Champ Bailey, I believe, told – um told CBS Sports' Jason Lockenfora that Denver was the best thing to ever happen to him. And he was also asked, he was like, uh, he was asked by uh, Woody Page uh, if he considered entering the hall as a member of uh, a member of the Washington Redskins. And he said, I mean, no, it was never on the table. Nobody from Washington had called me until three days ago. Nobody. So it's like the Redskins weren't like, hey, champ. I mean, I would have been shocked if he'd been a member of the, like, I mean, he, the Redskins traded him. Like, why would he go in as a member of the Redskins? You would still think they would have called to, you know, congratulate him when, you know, the class was announced back in February. Like the fact that they're waiting until three days ago is kind of just. Yeah. I mean, he was there. For, I mean, he a made... very Redskins thing to like botch. Like all you got to do is at least send him a text and did not do that. It's just a very Redskins thing. And just, you know, especially as they deal with this Trent Williams situation. So like, they clearly just yeah. don't know how to 
treat players as like human beings. That's that was six months too. They had to do something. This was February when the class got announced. They could have done it in February, (laughs) March, April, May, June. I mean, there was a lot of time. And and June and July, you're not even doing anything. Dan Snyder could have paid someone five bucks to send Champ Bailey a card, and it didn't happen. (laughs) So it's it's kind of nonsense. I would have been upset too if I was Champ. I mean, at the very least, you're like, hey, congrats on getting in. Like, just like, congrats, dude. Like that. Like that's all you have to say if you're Dan Snyder. Congrats, Champ. You're a champ. I mean, like, send send anything. Just like, or like a thumbs up, or like a a a champagne emoji. You know, just like, or like a like a rock on fingers emoji. I don't know something. Send something, man. Uh, Do you think Dan Snyder's ever texted any or anyone an emoji in his entire life? Um, I bet you he does, and like he's trying to be hip, but yeah, like he just completely botches yeah. it every single. It's like when like Ryan tries to use like current <laughs> phrases, like yeah. memes, like you know what I mean. Like, or, it's just exactly like that. Or when he had to, when he tried, he was like, "What does Bay mean?" It's yeah. like yeah, it's like he had to tag me in Slack like a couple of years ago, asking me to define what Bay meant. Um, all right, I think that uh, anything else in the Hall of Fame game that you want to point out, Breach? I know you're. Itching to keep talking about it. Uh, if not, we'll move to my bum, 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 personal hot seat rankings entering the 2019 season. Here was what I did. I went through and I decided, I tried to figure out, this is actually, I think it's interesting because it's kind of tough. Not, but just because there's a lot of first year head coaches out there or a lot of, you know, like it's, it's a little bit harder to find situations where like people are definitely getting fired. For instance, I, I don't think, like, wouldn't you be stunned if anybody in the AFC East got fired? Like, Bill Belichick's not getting fired. Um, you know, uh, Adam Gase is a first year head coach in New York. I mean, I guess he could be canned. Um, you know, they're not gonna, uh, they're not gonna fire Brian Flores in Miami unless they go 0 and 16, right? And even then they might not fire him. And then, of course, Sean McDermott, the, you know, world's greatest coach is not getting fired in Buffalo. Unless. Okay. I actually think the only one there that you can make a case for is Gase because I think the Jets actually have some expectations. And if they were to go like two and 14 and Darnold looks terrible, then I think they could. And Gase, they is, could like, actually Gase is like fighting with the media and like bickering with it. Yeah. I mean, they did a new GM though. It'd be, it would be surprising, but yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that, that is he's more, the only one that yeah. has a shot. At he, it. no, he did not make the list of the, of the top 10 and, and, and nor do I think he should have. Um, I will, uh, we'll start at the top. And I'm going to say that the hottest seat in all of football is actually, um, I was, I was surprised by this too, because this is the only coach. I don't know if you noticed this when I switched to the list, the only coach from the AFC that I had on this entire list. Um, and it is, uh, Doug Marone of the Jacksonville Jaguars after going five and 11 last year. It seemed like they were going to fire everybody. Tom Coughlin and Dave Caldwell could also be on this list. I think both guys, uh, if the Jaguars were to go five and 11 or six and 10, or even maybe just miss the playoffs after, you know, or like if they finish at the bottom of the division again, I think there's a pretty good chance that Doug Marone's going to get, uh, fired. And I think there's a pretty good chance that, um, that everybody in that front office could end up being swept out. Agree or disagree, Sean? Agree. And I, I think part of it is, I think I feel a little bit bad because I think he's been built dealt a bad hand and I don't expect the Jaguars to be good because I don't think they fix the quarterback problem and instead they just committed to a more expensive yep. version of the problem. That said, what was, you know, revealing about last year how they lost was how that locker room kind of unraveled. And so if that type of thing happens again, then I think he's definitely out. Um but you I don't know if you can blame him if Nick Foles goes out and has a very Nick Foles type of season and they go seven and nine. I don't know if that's indicative of Doug Marin's coaching. But I agree with you. I think if that happens, coming off a five and eleven season, that five and eleven season comes after 
they were expected to be a Super Bowl contender. I think did Prisco pick them to win the Super Bowl or uh, at least make the Super Bowl? Packers versus Jaguars, yeah, yeah, something like that. So when you have you know Prisco's picking you and you go five and eleven, then that next year, I just think you got to at least you know challenge for a playoff spot. I'll throw in two things real quick. Uh, think about Marone. His first full year as the Jags coach was twenty seventeen. This is his fifth year. This is his third year. Oh, oh. First full year. Oh, this is your first full, four full. years. I was yeah, like, full. what? I was like, am I? Well, yeah. So, so at the end of that year, drugs? they they go all the way to the AFC title game. Could you imagine even having that conversation that he could possibly be on the hot seat just two years later when he I took uh, organization that had been terrible like the Jags all the way to the AFC title game? And here we are now having that conversation. And I do think the way Nick Foles plays is going to play a lot into this because you've basically staked your coaching career in Jacksonville to somebody who has never functioned well for an entire season. So this is not a good decision at all. But the one thing I will say to Brinson's list, he has one AFC coach on it. If I had to pick one AFC coach to put on the list, I think Marone would be number two. And I would put Tomlin at number one. If both the Jags and the Steelers went seven and nine in 2019, who had the worst season? Who's more likely to get fired? I'll be honest. I egregiously left off Mike Tomlin. I should have had him on there. That's a great point. If the, if but he the, did just get the extension, so I guess maybe yeah, the Steelers don't think that. Or they just don't like to do the lame duck thing. Remember, they've never fired a coach in uh, in the Super Bowl era. I so I, I agree with Breach about that, but I, it's, there's also just a better chance though that yeah, Marone is the one that gets fired because there's just a better chance the Jaguars are bad, in my opinion, at least. Yeah, I guess I, I guess I'm so high on the Steelers that I um that I you know I haven't considered the possibility. Yeah, and it, it's even nine. worse if they're bad this year, right? For sure. I mean, Mike Tomlin's career record with the Steelers is one twenty five sixty six and one. I mean, that is pretty. That's a sixty five point four percent winning percentage. I, I, I he would have to. He would have to go seven. If, if they if they miss the playoffs and go seven and nine, I I would not be surprised if something happened. But I mean, he's only got he's never finished below five hundred. Well, I know you think that the Steelers are going to be amazing this year, but is them finishing in third place that far fetched? Like yeah. maybe behind the Ravens and the Browns, and then if they're in third place, uh, you know, maybe head start rolling. I don't know. I don't know. I think the Steelers are really proud of the fact that they've never fired a coach. I I, th- I just think that they would be. I like that. Like no one else really even like knows or yeah. pays attention to that, and they they pride themselves on that. I mean, Wilson th- does. He's probably got a poster of Chuck Knoll, Bill <laughs> Cowher, and Tomlin in I, his office. I don't disagree that my Tomlin seat is getting warmer. That the Steelers are interested to see how he continues to play. And look, I pointed out too. Like you know, he hasn't hasn't had a whole lot of. Deep playoff run since, you know, since I mean, 2000, what, 2010? They, w- they went to the Super Bowl and, and since then, I mean, he just hasn't been great in the playoffs. You know, there are some whispers about Bill Cowher's players. I, you know, I don't know who, I don't know who's whispering that. You know, just some, some people, some people say that. I, I but I, I agree. I, but I think like the Steelers would, it would take, it, I don't know if seven and nine would definitely get it done. For, for him to be fired. I think there would be long conversations if he went seven and nine there, but I think he, a guy with 12 years in the league, um, with, with a 65% winning percentage is going to get a little bit of leeway, but maybe not. Maybe he's 40. If you fire a guy who's 125, 66 and one, and he's 46 years old. You better be darn sure that he is, that he is not going to land on his feet and succeed somewhere else. Cause that's how you look stupid. What about a, uh, really sleeper AFC team or coach? 
who could be on the hot seat of things start off poorly, Freddie Kitchens. Ooh. They have so much expectations that, and there's so much like explosiveness in that locker room potentially with, you know, with Baker and with Odell, just outspoken guys that you could see. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think even at their worst, I feel like they're going to at least hover around 500. But if they were to start off terribly and we've looked at their schedule, I feel like there's it's some tough. potential for yeah, them to for start sure. bad. You could see something and it'd be easy to dismiss them. You'd say, Oh, this guy just wasn't ready. Like we promoted him too fast. We stayed too much on. You know, the second half of Baker's rookie season, we got to move on to a more experienced guy who can manage this locker room and expectations heading into the next year. It's, it's a good call. Um, and look, the Browns love firing people. Jimmy Haslam is great <laughs> at it. Uh, I, I just think. And, and Todd Haley, didn't he just say that they should have fired Greg Williams and not Freddie Kitchens? Because Freddie Kitchens, he basically accused Freddie Kitchens of doing nothing on the sideline, like saying, uh, hey, this guy actually didn't really coach the offense at all. Somebody else was kind of handling those duties and he was just kind of, frolicking in the pasture back there and pay attention to meetings, but not doing anything. I mean, it was, so there is going to be a lot of pressure on kitchens to do well. Um, I do think one of the one thing that, that kitchens has going for him, aside from being tied to Baker Mayfield, which helps. Uh, but I mean, like if he lost Baker and like Baker, like, you know, if there's bickering and they were losing games. Yeah, sure. I can see it happening. I think John Dorsey has a little bit more pull in terms of being able to prevent, um, uh, uh, uh the owner, uh, I just, I said his name three seconds ago. Haslam. Haslam. Jimmy Haslam. I, 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 I don't know what's happening to my brain. Uh, I think, I think Dorsey could at least keep, uh, Haslam at bay a little bit. Uh, number two on my rankings and, and credit to Sean, uh, during the break as we were ringing up Breach, he bumped up this guy and I agreed with him and I moved him up to number two. Jay Gruden has the second, is the second hottest seat. Um, and the only reason that Gruden isn't number one is that I went through the AFC first. And so I got to the Jaguars before, uh, but no, I, but I, I also because like Gruden said, if you'd feel hot, it's just inevitable. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's just going to get fired after this year. Like they're going to be terrible. They're not going to win a bunch of games. They're not going to make the playoffs. And he's already said, if I don't make the playoffs, I'm probably getting fired. So like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It just doesn't feel hot because it's like, it's like just, it's, it's, he's just getting fired. I, I don't know. Yeah. And you look, with, yeah. Sean, yeah. I was going to say that he's never even had a, a good season there. It's incredible that he still kind of has this job because that one playoff season where they, you know, lost was at the, the Packers. I think they went nine and seven. So they just won a terrible division. You look at the record since then, eight, seven and one, seven and nine, seven and nine. I don't think they're getting anywhere close to seven wins this year because their quarterback situation in the short term is a mess. Now, long term, they might be okay with Haskins there, but they just released their official depth, their first unofficial depth chart ahead of their first preseason game on Sunday. Guess who's the number one quarterback right now? It's Colt McCoy. Yes. We've seen enough Colt McCoy as a backup filling in for these guys over the years to know that he's not any good. And you know that he's first on the depth chart because he probably understands the offense the best because he arrived in Washington in 2014 when Gruden did. But if that, if his familiarity with the offense is putting him above the other two quarterbacks, that's bad news. He's not starting all 16 games. Obviously my guess is that we see all three quarterbacks at some point during the season. And Jay Gruden doesn't want to start Haskins, even if it's the right move in the long term, because he doesn't think he can win with Haskins and he needs to make the playoffs, which means he's going to start. My guess is like Keenum. It, I just don't see any way this ends well. And they, you know what? They play in Philadelphia week one. I think that could be an absolute bloodbath. Well, and let me just say real quick, the one thing Gruden I feel like has going in his advantage is this totally dysfunctional. It's kind of like the Cowboys where Jerry Jones is like, 
I don't want to fire Jason Garrett because I know my organization is dysfunctional and I don't want to have to bring somebody else in to deal with it. <laughs> and I feel like Dan Snyder and Bruce Allen, they've got their stogies in the back office just laughing up how much of a trash dumpster fire they've thrown in Gruden's lap. I mean, this Trent Williams situation, uh, everything, every decision the Redskins have made for the past five years. I mean, they got rid of Kirk Cousins. We don't know if that decision is going to backfire, but it's going to backfire if Dwayne Haskins doesn't pan out. So if I'm Gruden, you can only control what you can control. And Sean, I know that maybe starting McCoy makes sense because – Hey, he's been there the longest, understands the offense. But I throw Dwayne Haskins in as soon as possible. I don't worry about wins because the thing is, if Dwayne Haskins looks better every week and he improves every week, but they go 5-11 and 11 or 6-10, and 10, it's going to be pretty difficult to fire Jay Gruden if your rookie quarterback just progressively gets better and better and better because then you look dumb, especially if Haskins comes out and regresses in year two with Gruden out. So if I'm Jay Gruden, I just say, Dwayne, get out there win some games. I don't care how many because Dan Snyder loves you. And if he loves you and you love me, then maybe he'll love me too. So yeah, I would just give the keys of the offense to Haskins and pray to God that I don't get fired. That's, yeah, it's, I, it's a great I point. Totally, like you can, I'm oh, sorry. I mean, you can just see Dan Snyder going to Haskins and ask him if he wants him to fire Gruden like next offseason. <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. And if, and if like, if Haskins doesn't like Gruden, he's like, man, yeah, can him. If he, and if he loves him, maybe he can stick around. You mentioned Kirk Cousins. I got his coach on here too, but no, we're not going to get to him yet. First, we're going to talk about Dan Quinn, who I have listed at number three after going, it's kind of crazy. Like the, the Falcons went seven and nine last year and they weren't like, they were in the conversation to try and, um, to try and make the playoffs like a little late run. But, uh, it was pretty clear. I thought, and, and Dan Quinn, by the way, 36 and 28 in his, in his career as a head coach of the Falcons, he would be, he's going into his fifth year. It felt like Arthur Blank was just so embarrassed by having a bad team the year that he was hosting the Super Bowl that he is willing to do whatever is necessary after this season. And I feel like if Dan Quinn uh, goes 7-9 and nine again, that he is going to be run out of town by Arthur Blank. Agree or disagree, Sean? Agree. And you just look at what they did earlier this offseason, which was fire pretty much every important assistant. Mm-hmm. There's no one left to fire there. So there's no one left for him to blame it on. He can't blame him on Sarkeesian, who, by the way, Kind of still weird to me that he got fired. That offense was actually pretty good, and the red zone stuff was kind of overblown from the beginning of the year. Yep. Um, so I'm not really sure why they felt like they had to fix the offense. But when you fire the defensive coordinator, when you're the defensive coach, you know, you kind of – it's all on you now. Like, if they don't see defensive improvement, he's got no one to put it on. Um, so I agree with where you put it – where you put him on the list. I actually think the Falcons are going to be pretty good. I think – Sure. I, I might even pick them to win the division. Um, I feel like they're a big bounce back candidate with, if you look at all their injuries from a year ago, but I agree. I think it's playoffs or bust. Um, and I think Arthur Blank has pretty much said that without actually saying it. Like seven and nine, um, seven and nine breach is probably getting like, I think that you actually, you said it really well when you talk about Tomlin. Like that, that was sort of my th- thought process here is like, if, if this team goes, Five and eleven, or six and ten, or seven and nine. You know, is what is the what is the the likelihood they get fired? I think Quinn is, is certainly right up there. What about I think uh, double digit losses with with Quinn? He's a hundred percent out of a job. I think maybe he saves it at seven and nine because look, he has made the playoffs two of the past three seasons. Like they made the Super Bowl, even if they had the most embarrassing loss in the history of football, they did get there. And then you know. coming off that horrible Super Bowl loss, they still made the playoffs the next season, which says a lot for how he's able to coach and how they were able to rebound. So I do think Dan Quinn should be on this list, but this might be like a tick too high. 
Okay. Uh, fair enough. In fact, uh, maybe you would put uh, a pair of NFC East head coaches that I've got up next uh, ahead of him. Jason Garrett and Pat Shermer. Shermer was a little tough to move around because I feel like the Giants are going to want to keep him. But nothing would surprise me in terms of New York right now. New York is desperate to appear stable, so I think they might not want to fire him. Uh, but Jason Garrett, I think you know, this is, if the Cowboys, the Cowboys have such high expectations this year that I think if the if they go out and, and go seven and nine, and Jason Garrett's clapping all over the place, it would not surprise me at all if they canned him and, and sent him packing breach. Uh, but then the flip side of that is Jerry Jones in Week 16. And in this scenario, we're going to assume that Ezekiel Elliott misses the first two weeks of the season. Jerry's going to be like, well, we went 0-2 those games, and I really put a dog turd in Jerry's lap, in Jason's lap, and it wasn't his fault. And so I'm not going to blame him for those two losses. And the fact that we're 8-7 and going to the last week when we should be 10-5, and I'm taking those two losses for Jason, and I'm not going to fire him. He's sticking around. We, so we, we just going to make an excuse, and Jason Garrett's going to stay as long as he goes 8-8 eight and eight or better. I, I, Can we I, talk about that? Dog turns? I agree. Did that I yes, miss, on the did I, when I was on vacation, did Breach debut the, the accent? I feel like that's the first that's, time he's done it. That's the first time I've ever heard him do it. I and, like it. And how you it came, might be better and, than yours, Brent. Oh, it's definitely better than mine. And he came with like, like a perfect, like Jerry Jones, like phrase, like dog turd. You know, like, like <laughs> <laughs> we put that. I, I, I got to practice on Saturday because yeah. I heard, uh, Jerry give the, he presented Gil Brandt. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. zoned in. I was like, I'm going to use that voice on the podcast. Uh, how about, um, Kyle Shanahan, he's next on my list. You think uh fairly or unfairly on that list uh for you, Sean? I like it. I feel like the last couple months I've been driving the the 49ers aren't as good as people think that. they might be. Um and they have look, he's been terrible from a win-loss record perspective for through his first two years and a lot of that's not his fault. But now that he has there's a lot of expectations there and they've spent a lot of money in free agency whether it's overpaying Quan Alexander spending a lot of money on his running backs that can catch passes so he can run his offense. And if Garoppolo doesn't look the part, and I think we were talking about it a couple weeks ago, he started like 11 games in his career. I just it's don't 10. think it's 10. he's not this sure thing that I think a lot of people make him out to be. He's not this franchise quarterback. He might be, but I just don't think we've seen it over a long enough period of time. So if they're bad and if they get surpassed by like a Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray team, and they have another high pick, I think he has to be gone, and I think also you got to include obviously John Lynch on this because they came in together with I think the same number of years in their contracts. Six, that's right. And yeah. we, it was only a couple years ago we were touting it was when they got the Trubisky trade about oh like John John Lynch is just dominating. Now you look at the, the Ruben Foster situation, um, and if you know they gave Garoppolo all that money, and if Garoppolo doesn't look the part when he's fully healthy. I think you can make a case for both of them to be on the outs. Yeah, and it's also possible, I think, that we could see uh, John Lynch fired and Kyle Shanahan retained or or maybe, like, you know, a, a vice versa. But it feels like Shanahan has power. Again, uh, you know, six-year deal, but after this, that would only be three years you know, be three years into it. That's half the contract. Uh, Jed York ain't afraid to eat a coaching contract. He was paying Tom Sula, uh, Harbaugh, and Chip Kelly, Kelly at the same time. Uh, moving along, uh, Mike Zimmer and Ron Rivera. Two elderly defensive statement are next up on the list. Fairly placed for you, Breach? Uh, I do like Ron Rivera on the list. I feel like that they need to just kind of – I don't want to say make a decision because Ron Rivera can just point the last thing and say, hey, Cam Newton was literally injured for half the season. I can't win with that. Uh, and their defense has been pretty sound, so it's hard to kind of blame him for – 
how bad they were and how bad they've been. And also, how many they made the playoffs like four times in the past six seasons. Ron, so I'm, Ron, I'm starting to talk myself out of Ron Rivera being on the hot seat. <laughs> but I, I do think that if you do look at just the past three years, they've had two losing seasons, six and ten, and then they went seven and nine last season. So I do think that if they have another six and ten season, you have to at, at least think about it. And you have a new owner in there, and he might want to say, you know what, this isn't selling tickets. David Tepper's crazy. He's going to do whatever he wants to do. Nobody's going to like. He's not going to take advice from anyone. If he thinks that the team is boring, doesn't look good, and they're not selling tickets because they're going five and eleven or six and ten, I could see him firing. So, yeah, definitely Rivera, good pick on this list. And uh, I just don't know about Zimmer because. I mean, by the way, David Tepper used to keep a uh, giant pair of brass testicles on his desk at Appaloosa. Appaloosa trading where he, where he made his billion. So yeah, not scared to, not scared to get bold. Um, Zimmer, my thing is like, I feel like didn't somebody say, didn't he acknowledge that he was kind of on the hot seat? Sean? Yeah. Well, I think he's entering, is he entering the final year of his deal? I want to say, and there was talk, of, is he going to get an extension? He was just like, no, I'm fine with not getting an extension. Yeah. I think uh, maybe I'm misremembering. So it seems like he's completely comfortable playing it out and. Now his I mean, contract goes through 2020 because I I knew he'd been there five years and most coaches signed a five year contract so he had at least this is his six, so he's this got is two his, more seasons left this is his sixth season no I know I'm saying that he had already been there five years and oh, most gotcha. coaches initially sign a five year deal so he had to have signed some sort of extension at some yeah, point that's right and so yeah he's he, he's under contract through 2020 uh he's probably, another one go ahead, go ahead. sorry he's another one of those coaches like Ron Rivera. Who, I mean, you look at his record and it's, it's actually, for me, it's, I think he's one of the better coaches in the league and I think it'd be tough to fire him. Um, but if you give a quarterback that much money and you don't win with that quarterback, you know, that's, that's, that's what ends up getting most coaches and GMs fired is that big quarterback contract that doesn't pay off. I think it'd be interesting though if they cut bait with him before the end of the Cousins contract. I would rather just mm. tie himself to that and that way if it doesn't work out, you can cut clean with everyone. And start over completely, as opposed to for hiring the next coach and you know forcing him to work with Cousins when that coach might not want to work with Cousins because it didn't work for two years under Zimmer. Yeah, and then you're forcing the coach to work one year with Cousins and you know and maybe let it. And then yeah, that's a good point. That's a very good point. I always get the kind of vibe from Zimmer that he doesn't really like this Cousins deal. And yeah, no, he's battling. You, he spent all last season battling his offensive coordinators, basically saying. We need to run more, which is a not-so-secret way of saying, I don't want Kirk Cousins throwing the freaking ball because the guy checks down on every play. So, like, kind of backhanded insults at Kirby Cousins there. I could just see him being happy because it doesn't seem like he's fretting over his, his contract status or anything like this or being on the hot seat. If he was just like, if it doesn't work out, screw it. Like, I, I'll just go be a defensive coordinator somewhere and just coach the defense, and I would be happy with it. Like, I don't need this in my life, this Kirk Cousins <laughs> dropping back the pass 40 times on Monday Night Football and being terrible. Like, I'm done with this. I think the Vikings are going to be great this year, so I don't think it's going to be a problem. Uh, but I do think if they went 7-9 and nine, that there would be a lengthy discussion uh, with Rick Spielman and, and, and ownership. And, you know, again, they haven't had a, a change in, in a while. Um, Matt Patricia. It's unfortunate Ryan Wilson couldn't join us, but Matt Patricia and Cliff Kingsbury rounding out my list. So, should Matt Patricia be higher or are you are you are you more surprised that Matt Patricia is lower that Cliff Kingsbury is on this list, or do you think both guys are appropriately held here? I think that Cliff Kingsbury probably shouldn't be on the list. It is now. Granted, granted, the fact that you got fired as a college coach because you could not even cut it in college 
at your own alma mater. It takes a lot to get fired from your own alma mater. You have Just to be horrible. Where you played quarterback. It is your alma mater where you played quarterback and starred for Mike Leach. And you, you, you couldn't beat Iowa State with Patrick Mahomes. So like. So you went yeah. 35 and 40. But here's the thing. I do great. think that he is at least one year safe from the hot seat where they've got, they've got the hot seat tucked away in a vault somewhere and they'll, they'll bring it out if Kyler Murray struggles in this offense or if the Cardinals go two and 14. I do think he's going to get kind of a, a barrier year where he's not going to have to worry about anything. But Matt Patricia, my God, I do wish Wilson was here. I think he should be the highest person on the list. If the Lions are bad this year, just fire him. See, but now the only problem is this is the seven and nine list too. Cause like if Kingsbury goes seven and nine, they're going to give him an ex- a lifetime extension. Cause like the Cardinals have been terrible. And I do, I think you're right. They, I don't think they will. It would be so humiliating to fire back to back coaches in single years. I mean, that is a, to the, but, four, but then you have Kyler Murray as your quarterback for an offense. He might not be okay he, running. So right, you have to just bring traded, a new coach to adapt to his style. Right. You were so in on Kingsbury that you, took the quarterback he desperately wanted and traded away the guy you traded up for a year ago. The, I agree. I think he gets a second year unless it's, you know, an own 16 times. All, all that needs to happen for him to keep his job is Kyler Murray needs to flash, you know, just be, just be excited. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. And then, then you can sell it for a second year. Yeah. And if, if, if anybody in Arizona is get fired after one year, it'd be Steve Kime. That's what I was going to say. I feel like, He's the next scapegoat if it if it doesn't go well. See, you can say, oh, Kyler Murray's looking good, but the pieces around him haven't dropped well, and they just cut one of their former high picks. So I think it's easy to sell that. If, I think if, I, my scenario for Kingsbury, and the reason why he's on this list, is that um, I just think if if it were a disaster season in Arizona and they went 1-15 and, um, and the offense didn't operate and Kyler was terrible, then – uh, uh, you know, the ownership might just say, listen, we are blowing this whole thing up and moving on. Uh, and yeah, Patricia should probably be higher. He, I mean, but the I only thing the GM likes him too much. Exactly. That was a, yes. Bob Quinn is his boy. Bob Quinn, if Bob Quinn fires Patricia two years in, I mean, like he's basically like starting the timer on his head, you know, like that's, and it's not like he's like dealing with like some like crazy, angry, like, you know, Pat, like Jimmy Haslam, like he's, he's oh. a sweet old Martha Ford. And, and here's my thing with Patricia. He took over a team that was coming off two straight winning seasons. So he was kind of in the best situation of any of the new coaches yep. uh, that started in 2018. So like you need to walk in. You need to be successful right away. No, uh, he goes six and 10. That's embarrassing. Another six and 10 season by Matt. Six and 10 will be heating up the, the pressure cooker on old. Do you old think old. three and 13 gets him fired? Three and 13 and Ryan Wilson will have a party. Since Ryan's not here, I feel like one of us needs to say Jim Caldwell underappreciated because I feel like he always brings this up now that now that Matt Patricia has completely ruined the lines. I will say that, but uh Jim Caldwell was twenty six and sixty three in eight years at Wake Forest. So that's not great. That's not it's not very good. Uh, and, and mostly gets like his love because he was Peyton Manning's offensive coordinator. All right. That's our list of hot seat guys. Um, anybody else that you guys would add that I maybe, that I maybe left off? I'll throw one more name out only because I had to hear it every year with the Bengals. They need to fire Marvin Lewis. I think this year's Marvin Lewis, and no, I'm not going to say Zach Taylor, yeah. is Bill O'Brien, a guy who has been Why successful. Is oh, yeah. Yeah. Gets yep. his team to the playoffs every year, but just can't really, you know, they got to the divisional round in 2016, but they just, they get to the playoffs, they lose in the wild card, and that's not any fun. And I think that it wouldn't be crazy to see them go 5 and 11 or 6 and 10, and the owner's gonna be like, 
look, Bill, I let you run everything. You ran the general manager out of time. I don't even know who's running the team right now. And we went five and 11 because you guys are just made bad decision after bad decision. Uh, so I do think there is kind of like that. You could justifiably fire him if he went five and 11 or six and 10. That's, I, I, that's a good point. I got mine. Yeah. Who's your sleeper? Matt LaFleur. Oh, if, if that, oh that's a good, good one. If yeah, they go Rogers seven to nine, he, if they go seven to nine, he's out of there. Because they don't have time to waste with Rodgers at yep. what, 35, 36, whatever he is. Like if it's not working in year one, I think you get him out and you get someone else in there. What if it's By not way, working in week five? <laughs> I'm such a pessimist that the way I see this working out is LaFleur and the Packers being bad, which hooray, I'm a Bears fan. Great for me. But the 49ers being terrible and somehow the Packers winding up with like Kyle Shanahan, like Aaron Rodgers and the Kyle Shanahan offense and just winning five Super Bowls before Rodgers retires. If you're the Packers, why wouldn't you like call the 49ers and be like, listen, we'll give you a first round pick for Kyle Shanahan. That would be wouldn't the, close. Having Rodgers in that offense would be insane. I mean, wouldn't that, I mean, but wouldn't that like, I mean, wouldn't the 49ers do that right now? For a first round pick? Yeah. Well, isn't Kyle Shanahan kind of running the team? So, probably, I guess would Kyle Shanahan, yes, see us, San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, Kyle Shanahan's like, peace. I'm going to work with Aaron Rodgers and get rich and be smart. Uh, that would be fascinating. Uh, that's a great call. I like that call. That, that led to a fun. Well, Shanahan's on your hot seat list, so you just have to wait for him to get fired. Yeah, or maybe they, maybe that's why they hired the floor, knowing they're going to fire him in one year and then land Kyle Shanahan. Very sneaky. Do not underestimate my sneakiness. Uh, all right, that's it for the show. We'll be back uh, tomorrow. I think we're going to talk to Evan Washburn. Uh, CBS Sports Network and big CBS. And uh, we'll also do uh, top five te- five teams that might miss the playoffs who didn't make it last year or did make it last year. Five teams who might make the playoffs who missed it last Joe year. O'Brien. So, so it will be an exciting week with football coming up. As always, thanks, boys. You're the best.